You've tuned in to the Message to Kings podcast, where we tell the complete history. Welcome back to the Message to Kings podcast. This is your host, Brett Heaston, episode 11, Japheth through 1500 B.C. Since there's a 400-year gap between Abraham and Moses, it would be good to catch up on the nations and look at the world at the time of 1500 B.C. It took 400 years for the Hebrews to increase from a family to a nation. 400 is an interesting number since Rome exploded on the world stage in 400 years. It fell in 400 years. And many confirm that this is the amount of time for rise and fall of many civilizations. 400 was the years required for the Canaanites to be judged according to Abraham's word. There are many more 400s throughout history. Before we transition back to the Hebrews, I'd like to trace civilization back to the sons of Noah and the colonization of the planet, who founded what parts of the globe and founded what civilizations. So Noah had three sons. Here's the text. Genesis 9. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and every creature that moves along the ground and on all the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from every human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. And as for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. All right, so we have to stop here. And he said, for the blood of a human being, their blood will be shed. This statement and promise will be reoccurring throughout this podcast. It's a statement in heavenly law, which ha- would have to be fulfilled by Jesus, but it's also a statement of human affairs and can be related to nations and national context. And, and I'm going to repeat it again. Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. What just happened was God had to judge the earth because of all the extreme violence. He had to judge the earth by a massive flood. He comes and after the flood, there's a rainbow in the sky and God says, I will never do this again by flood. But he turns around and he says, but if human blood is shed, by humans shall their blood be shed. God is stating that there may be judgment in the future, and it will be done by other humans. We see this in history. The Assyrians are a good example. God rose up the Assyrians to judge the Israelites. But I'm getting ahead of myself, and we'll cover that later. Back to the text. The sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These were the three sons of Noah, and from them came the people who were scattered over the whole earth. 
Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. And when he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so they would not see their father naked. When Noah woke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Curse be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. He also said, Praise be the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. All right, so what happened here? The Hebrew states that Ham looked upon his nakedness, but there's many other interpretations. Other scholars say that if you if you understand Hebrew and you look at the context of it, Ham actually committed a homosexual act against Noah. There's also a Jewish tradition that says that Ham had relations with Noah's wife, and when Noah was drunk in his tent, he actually went in and castrated him because Canaan was the son of Ham and Noah's wife, and he didn't want to have a fourth son to split his inheritance. Wow, that's crazy. Well, whatever happened, it must have been really bad for Noah to curse him. I have to believe it's way more than him just looking at him naked. The spiritual concept that we should discuss is blessings and curses. Blessings are special favor endowed upon a human vigil or a nation by God for faithfulness or works of service. Well, God is good, so let's look at let's put it in that context. Curses are when God's hand is lifted from an individual, that favor, that presence, that protection is removed, and the curse is pretty much where the devil has his authority now to run havoc among that individual, that location, that nation. Blessings are obtained by walking with God and having relationship with Him and being obedient to Him. And in very simple terms, curses are the result of sin. Now, if a person is under a curse, it says Jesus became the curse. Jesus actually became the curse to take away the curse. So those who believe in Jesus, they can ask him to remove any curse because he took it all away on the cross. But up until the time of Jesus, you see blessings and curses operating very frequently. And it's so simple to see um, as you read the Bible, those who are being blessed and those are, who are being cursed. Back to Japheth. Japheth is often regarded as the youngest son, though some traditions regard him as the oldest. The link between Japheth and the Europeans stems from Genesis 10.5, which states, By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided into their lands. William Shakespeare's play, Henry IV, Part Two, contains a wry comment about people who claim to be related to royal families. 
they will be kin to us, or they will fetch it from Japheth. In the Bible, Japheth is described seven sons, Gomer, Magog, Teras, Yavon, Meshech, Tubal, and Madah. According to Josephus, Japheth, the son of Noah, had seven sons. They inhabited so that beginning at the mountains of Taurus and Amanus, they proceeded along Asia as far as the river Tanias and along Europe to Cadiz, which is in Spain, and selling themselves on the land which they light upon, which none had inhabited before. They called the nations by their own names. The book of Jasher, which is referenced in the Bible, even has additional names and genealogies for Japheth, including his grandchildren. Japheth is celebrated by Westerners because he is their heritage. All of us come from Adam, then Noah, and one of the three brothers. Japheth is most likely spoken of very highly by Westerners to justify their spirit superiority, especially in the age of imperialism. And there's even that quote that Japheth would live in the tents of Shem. And this was used during that age to justify a lot of uh, superiority um, that the Western civilization said they had over the rest of the world. The primary civilizations that appear prior to Moses from the line of Japheth are Mycenae in Greece, the Minoans of Crete, and a few Turkish cities as well. And far away in England, there's the beginnings of Stonehenge, which I'll probably talk about at another podcast. On the mainland of Greece, a large civilization arose in the location of Mycenae. It grew to prominence and became a civilization around the year of 1900 B.C. to 1100 B.C. when they were destroyed as a civilization. The Minoans were on Crete until about 1500 B.C. when they mysteriously disappeared from history in its entirety until 1900 A.D. Before we speak of these civilizations, it's important to note that Japheth had seven sons. One of these sons' name was Magog, and it's Josephus who tells us that Magog settled in an area that is north of the Black Sea. Greece is the home to the first advanced civilizations in Europe and is considered the birthplace of Western civilization. They possessed an early form of writing known as Linear A and B. They're also known for their domestication. Mycenae is located 90 kilometers southwest of Athens. Mycenae was on a fortified hill and from it, it ruled the smaller towns and hamlets and estates around the area, and it ruled much of the eastern Mediterranean. The Greeks are well known for their very in-depth and detailed mythologies and their, their religious system. It's interesting to note how far they actually fell from the days of Noah and Japheth. A future author, Homer, wrote much about Mycenae, who played a major role in the Trojan War, which we'll discuss in a future podcast episode. What develops in Mycenae is a very extensive false belief system. How they have fallen, Noah would have exclaimed. If Japheth, who would have been alive during this time, would have commented on this body of people, it would have been extremely negative. 
I can see it right now after he walks through Mycenae. This is why God judged the earth the first time with disgusting practices and vile worship of demons and to think it is led by my own children. Much of the Mycenaean religion survived into classical Greece and into their pantheon of Greek deities. The very ordered Olympian belief system developed. The Greek divinities live with Zeus at their head, and each is concerned with a recognizable sphere. They are based at a high place, sound familiar? At Mount Olympus. A secondary level of importance was the cult of heroes, which seems to have started in the Mycenaean age. They were great men of the past who were exalted after death and honor because of what they had done. The Mycenaean religion certainly involved offerings and sacrifices to the deities, and some have speculated that their ceremonies involved human sacrifice based upon textual evidence and bones found outside tombs. In homework poems, there seems to be a lingering cultural memory of human sacrifice and King Agamemnon's sacrifice of his own daughter, as well as other examples. Now, the Minoans were Greek in nature. They had a similar religious system. But they were known specifically for their spectacular architecture and engineering. The term Minoan was coined by Arthur Evans after the mythic king Minos. Minos was associated in Greek in the Greek myth with the labyrinth, with Evans identified with the site of his archaeological dig on Crete. Minoan palaces are the best known building types to have been excavated on the island. Their monumental buildings serve in administrative purposes, as evidenced by the large archives unearthed by archaeologists. Each of the palaces excavated to date has its own unique features, but they also share features which set them apart from other structures. The palaces were often multi-storied, with interior and exterior staircases, light wells, massive columns, storage magazines, and courtyards. What is interesting about the Minoans is their mystery. They are never mentioned in the Bible, and references in archaeology from other countries are difficult to find. But in 1900 AD, the extensiveness of their civilization was discovered with multiple palaces and road networks. We do know they disappeared from history around 1500 BC. We knew prior to this there was multiple eruptions from a local volcano, in addition, there is evidence of earthquake activity as well. Each time the Minoans rebuilt until around 1500 BC when the civilization completely vanished. Most believe the end was due to both natural disasters and foreign invasions. So what happened to the Minoans? Well, better yet, how did they go from an amazing civilization to non-existent or actually a, a nation that is extinct? We note the research what most likely physically happened, but what if we put in the context this into the context of biblical history, what actually spiritually happened? So God had to judge the world in Noah's time due to the violence and perversion and demonic interference with man. Babel's judgment was due to pride and arrogance and demonic control. Sodom and Gomorrah was a result of arrogance and very strong perversion. Strangely enough, the Minoans are not in the Bible. A loss to history until Sir Arthur Evans discovered this lost civilization in 1900 AD. So it's hard to say what happened to the Minoans. 
But by looking at biblical history, we can put together a possible scenario from the previous biblical history of civilizations and previous judgments point the finger to their sin running their course due to human sacrifices, demonic false belief systems, and the lack of an Abraham to intercede in Crete for even a righteous few can save a nation. I like to point to the story of Jonah, how one man delivered a message to a people in Assyria that repented and averted judgment. It is easy to imagine how previous earthquakes and volcanic eruptions and invasions failed to capture their attention, and could it be possible that Japheth visited this group of people and failed to capture their attention prior to judgment, just like Lot? Arthur Evans named this lost civilization the Minoans, after the story of King Minos from Greek mythology. This myth is incredibly complex, and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but it involves a labyrinth palace, a complex, a minotaur, and a Greek hero named Theseus. This elaborate storytelling is very complex, and it's, and it's just one example of the incredible depth to the Greek mythology. And it also adds to the mystique of this lost civilization, the Minoans. To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, we have to remember what God told Noah from the beginning of the episode. If bloodshed occurs, it is by human beings their bloodshed will come. All through history, it is easy to see the rise and fall of mighty nations. It is good at times to reflect upon our sinfulness as a people, to call upon God and His mercy to save us. I was touched recently by an artist's work. His name is Thomas Cole. He lived from 1801 to 1848. The work I want to reference is a five-painting set he called The Course of Empire. The series of paintings reflect an imaginary city. I will post the paintings to Facebook, and if you look back on the previous artwork of the past four podcasts and this podcast, you will see the five paintings. It begins with a savage state a land filled with a sparse population, followed by the Arcadian or pastoral state, culminating in the consummation of empire, which would reflect the golden age of the Minoans, or the Roman Empire, or any other empire of history. The next painting is a startling contrast to the culmination of empire. It is titled Destruction. The end came to this magnificent great empire, which could easily reflect the end of the Minoan civilization or the Vandal sack of Rome in 455 AD. The final painting is called Desolation, which reflects the great remains of the once glorious city. Why are these paintings so important? Because many live in a time and an age when their country isn't experiencing their golden age. They are in the consummation of the empire stage of the five paintings. See, life is a fleeting thing. Man has only so many years to live and make an impression upon this planet. The nations can contend with God or please Him. There was one man who walked with greater wisdom than anyone on the planet. His name was King Solomon. His wisdom amazed the world, and the people came from across the world to visit and hear him speak. In the end, he enjoyed the world and all that came with it. He built temples, palaces, fleets, and turned his nation into the most prosperous on the planet. And he led the country of Israel into its golden age. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines, and he built roads and cities. But at the end of his life, he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. One of the last phrases he pens for the Bible 
was this. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. Keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, where it is good or evil. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the podcast, recommend a friend. If you have any questions or if you want to chat, please email me at message to kings at gmail.com. Tune in next week to the Message to Kings podcast.